Good morning, afternoon, or evening, and welcome back to One Guy, One Role, the solo role-playing podcast where I, your host, player and GM, Hero Cities, play role-playing games for your listening pleasure. In this episode, we are once again returning to Ironsworn Starforged, where we are following the exploits of Nikora Sokolov aboard the space station Prosperity, which, as we are well aware, has had some sort of catastrophic event occur, which has completely wiped out the environmental system and uh, any kind of air filtration or, or, or air creation system that might have been aboard this space station. So that Nikora has been aboard the station. And as we've started to see, uh, his oxygen is about a quarter depleted. Now, in Ironsworn, Starforged, if you're going to use clocks, it does recommend rolling to see if those clocks get depleted whenever you start a new session, which I like. I think that there's a 50-50 chance of our secret campaign clock advancing. We rolled an 81, so no, that one does not advance. And as far as our oxygen is concerned, we already kind of rolled last episode halfway through and uh, filled in a tick on that. However, I still think, given the uh, physical exercise and exertion that Nikora has been doing, I'm going to say it's once again a 50-50 chance that his oxygen is further depleted another tick. An 87, so no. When we last left uh, Nikora, he had uh, just gained access into the air filtration or ventilation system for at least this section of the Prosperity. He did so by utilizing a uh, carabiner and spool of wire, which he has attached to this. It calls it a utility belt. I know it sounds a little bit superhero Batman-y, but that's functionally what it is. It has a bunch of tools which he utilizes for scavenging, basically, including, you know, some cutters, some pliers, whatever, you name it. And we'll uh, be rolling uh, against our supply like we did last episode and see if he has whatever tool he needs. We successfully made that roll last episode, so we now know that he has this grappling hook-style carabiner thing, which he can clip onto stuff and use it to uh, repel. And in the case of last episode, we swung across over to the maintenance air filtration system and gained access into the ventilation system. Other than that, we also learned that Crazy Eye, Jones, and the rest of his companions are from the Merchants Guild, also known as the FMU or the Federation of Merchant Unions. So with our uh, recap and introduction out of the way, let's get into it. So the beginning of our episode starts with silence, an utter pitch black darkness. Faintly, at the end of a long, dark corridor, we see this kind of warm orange yellowish glow that slowly illuminates from around a bend in what appears to be some sort of corridor. Slowly, a figure emerges from around the corner, crouched over, uncomfortably shouldering his way through this tight, confined space within uh, what appears to be a ventilation shaft, like your classic sci-fi utilitarian environmental system think like the air filtration system in aliens where newt is hiding out it's dirty it's clearly not had maintenance or anything really done in a while 
There's piles of dust everywhere, and as Nakora is making his way through, every once in a while he kicks up one of these piles of dust, and these motes of dust fly through the air and create an interesting effect through the uh, light that Nikora has on his shoulder. Let's go into the derelict section of the Ironsworn Starforge book, and we're going to See what kind of futures are inside, or features rather, are inside of this duck. And we're going to do that by rolling under the feature section of access. We got a 48, which is opened or missing panels. So as Nikora is making his way through this ventilation shaft, he enters a much wider and larger room, which has an even bigger fan in the middle which is clearly like the primary air circulation fan for the entire ventilation system. And here, I think it's quite likely that there is a number of different branches at which these uh, shafts kind of disperse throughout the entire ecosystem of the ship. I think that is uh, very likely. We got a 60, so yes. Within this circulation uh, fan room, that's where all of the air shafts for the entire ship all connect to the central area. Now, the real question is, are these different shafts labeled? Does it tell us anywhere about where these different shafts actually lead? I don't know. We're going to call it 50-50. 05, extreme yes. So with our extreme yes off of our uh, Mythic GM emulator fate chart, not only are the vents labeled, but within this air circulation room, I think uh, Nikora discovers a map that has been uh, placarded on the side of one of these maintenance access tunnels. So he now knows exactly what sections of the ship the various branches of the uh, air duct access goes from the central location. This is a huge bonus. Nikora takes a moment to survey this map and commit it to memory so he can... Utilize it when he needs it when crawling around in this rather complicated network of shafts and whatnot that connects this entire station together like arteries in a human body. The one thing that does jump out at Nikora as he's looking at this is the fact that while these shafts connect to the Trade Center, to uh, a number of different floors above him, including, as he notes, the maintenance section of the ship, which is clearly an important place that he needs to go at least he thinks that's where he can get the power restored to this ship but none of these shafts connect into the research section in fact that whole entire level if you remember from a couple episodes ago where we went in and there was the clean room that he could not access due to the big locked door blocking it off there's absolutely no sign of it on this entire diagram of the station which goes all the way from the command center all the way down to the uh, airlock number four which now Nikora knows is the airlock that he coerced to open with lasers somehow i suspect that's where i need to go behind that locked door and there's just no easy way for me to get down there damn Nikora grumbles to himself well I think it's clear that in order to get anything done around here, I'm going to have to get the power restored. So, let's see if we can figure out exactly where the maintenance section is. 
me, it makes a lot of sense that this maintenance section is going to be located relatively close to this central air circulation fan system for the entire station. So I think that what's the chances it is like on the next level up above us? I think it's likely. That dice went all the way off the table. All right, let's try that roll again. We got a 12, which with a chaos ranking of 5, gives us an extreme yes. So I think not only is that next maintenance level one story above us, but I think there's this central air shaft that runs up and down the entire station, which separate from the elevator shaft provides access vertically throughout the station. Now, when we rolled earlier and discovered that there were missing plates, I think that's going to come into play a little bit later, as you will see. So we now have this shaft that runs all the way vertically up and down the station so we can avoid the elevator area as needed since, as we now know, it's stuck on what would appear to be, since we did get a extreme yes, stuck on the maintenance level. I think that is exactly where we need to go. Now the main question is, is there a ladder that runs up and down this vertical shaft? Is this supposed to be used by maintenance? I don't think so. I think it's more interesting if this is just designed to provide airflow throughout the whole system without necessarily providing access, unlike these horizontal shafts, which I think run between every uh, floor in order to connect to the central air shaft and then provide airflow throughout the whole station, which is why there was one that connected to the elevator shaft, because that's how the elevator gets ventilated and provides oxygen and removes the stale air for that whole elevator system. That being said, I do have one question. Is there anything that has been added or is there anything helpful that we can use to go up and down, climb up and down this shaft with? I don't know. I think there's a 50-50 chance. 93, extreme no. So not only is there no rope or anything no handholds. There's nothing helpful in this air shaft. It's smooth as can be. It's designed for moving air, not people. And as an added uh, effect, I think it's on the other side, of coming out of the top of this huge recirculating fan. It's in the center of this uh, grungy industrial complex that we're now in. Taking one last look at the uh, maintenance diagram for the space station Prosperity. Nakora finally gets an idea of the actual size of the operation going on here. So it appears that this uh, airlock number four, which connects to our elevator shaft, is kind of the living area, the, the using the space that's usable for habitation on this, on this entire station. And that three quarters of the rest of the ship is devoted to either the refining of ice into water or the mysterious area that's not actually marked on this uh, diagram which we now presume is some sort of research sector just given on what Nikora saw when he was down on that level of the station. So the next question is, how are we going to get up this vertical shaft? Since it doesn't really help for us to continue along the horizontal way, and going down isn't going to get us anywhere because there's no access into the research section of the station from there. 
Also, our little uh, repelling carabiner setup isn't going to help us here since there's nothing for us to hook onto and repel down from or swing across from. It doesn't work like a gun or, you know, like anything like that. It's just a carabiner you clip on, so that's not going to help us. In fact, I don't think we have any gear that's really going to help us here. I think we're going to have to do some old-fashioned rock climbing style, which you use when you uh, climb a chimney. I think that Nikoro certainly has experience with this kind of activity, given that he spends a lot of time in ruins and exploring possible, you know, narrow shafts like this. Basically, it's called the chimney technique where you, uh, if it's narrow enough like this one is, you can essentially use your back to brace against the inside of the chimney and then slowly uh, using your legs you can kind of shuffle your way up the inside of this of the chimney and I think that this uh, shaft he's going up is probably three or four feet wide so it's just uh, wide enough for him both to fit and narrow enough to utilize these uh, techniques in his bag of goodies, I think it's likely that uh, Nikora has like um, climbing gear like pitons and other things like that. However, kind of hard to drive a piton into steel. So this is definitely going to be dangerous. I think we are going to face danger going up this narrow ventilation shaft. And quite honestly, I don't think there's any real advantages we can get here, either from gathering information or security advantage or anything like that. So this is going to be a face danger roll. And I think it's going to be with iron. Strength and endurance certainly sounds like the correct move to me. All right, face danger with iron, which is a plus one. And we have nothing else to add to this, and our momentum is only a plus two. This is incredibly dangerous. Is this going to require a progress track, or are we just going to do it with one roll? I think we're just going to do it with one roll and see what happens. Face danger with iron. Here we go. Well, at least we didn't die. On our action dice, we rolled a 5 plus 1 is 6. And on our challenge dice, we rolled a 9 and a 1, which gives us a weak hit. On a weak hit, you succeed, but not without a cost. Make a suffer move minus 1. I honestly think that the most logical pay the price here is that it just takes a long time. I don't know if anyone here listening has rock climbed before, but I sure have. And just going up even a pretty small one or two story wall, if it's something you don't do a lot. And remember, he's in bulky outfit. He's got the tank on his back. Like this is kind of even just stretching the realms of possibility of what you could do in a in kind of a bulky 80s sci-fi space suit. But we managed to do the roll. Um, so I think we're going to increase both of our clocks, including our oxygen clock. Which brings us up to three of the six pieces filled in. However, we were successful on our roll. So, after uh, seeing where he needs to go, Nikora clambers up on top of the big air cycle machine. This huge round fan that had a metal unit that houses multiple fans inside. And seeing that their only real way to get up into this vertically running shaft is to actually remove a panel off the side of this air cycle machine, which he does utilizing the tools on his tool belt. 
we don't even have to roll for it and pops off this panel which goes clambering into the dust that has accumulated over the years in this section and poof a big puff of dust comes up and dances in the light of Nikora's little shoulder mounted light and Nikora forces himself into the machine grunting and and sweating and even though the it's cold and you know the suit certainly has a little heater system in it but i mean it doesn't really work that well but the exertion of hauling around all of this extra weight that he's carrying including all of his tools the suit itself the oxygen on his back it all really weighs him down also just due to the physics of climbing a chimney you can't really get a good look or get a shoulder mounted light that doesn't move around a point upward except for these kind of shadowy shapes illuminating the wall as his arms as he's slowly pushing himself up this shaft was cast these strange shadowy puppet-like shapes on the walls above him after climbing for what feels like hours in reality it's probably about an hour i'd say to go up a story or so the core notices something that's a little bit different From not far above him, up in the shaft, there appears to be some sort of light that is occasionally illuminating the inside of the shaft. From what looks like might be some sort of hole or possibly removed section of the ventilation shaft itself. Now starting to be feeling a little bit nervous about the whole situation. Nakora attempts to proceed a little more carefully for the last section of this climb. And in doing so, we are going to attempt to secure an advantage on whatever danger or opportunity might be coming up ahead. For this, we are going to secure an advantage with Shadow. Because this is definitely Nakora attempting to be stealthy as you can when you're wedged in a ventilation shaft. This roll is with Shadow. For us, is a plus two fail we uh rolled a one on our action dice which plus two is three and our challenge dice were a five and a three so in order to succeed on something on a challenge um a dice roll in iron sworn you have to exceed the number on the challenge dice which in this situation of course we did not so if you miss on securing advantage you fail or your assumptions betray you pay the price In this case, our paying the price is going to be a momentum hit. I think that this climbing of the ventilation shaft has just completely exhausted Nikora. It's already hard enough to just move around normally with this heavy, bulky suit on, but attempting to climb a vertical shaft is not easy even at the best of times, and with all this extra equipment, it's really weighing him down. And yeah, so we our momentum's now only a plus one, which sucks. Now, our failure is going to be a little bit different. So as Nikora attempts to get a better look out of this missing panel, which has clearly been either uh, cut out with a cutting torch or hacked out with some tool because it's pretty jagged along the edges and not inexpertly done but clearly it looks like it was done pretty quickly uh he's turned off his his little shoulder mounted light and as he gets up a little bit higher he notices that the light that's coming through is a kind of a bluish tint and keeps flickering on and off like uh almost like static on a tv i guess you could say but this this bright 
bluish light as he gets up to the edge of of the hole in the in the ventilation shaft he puts his hand on where uh, bracing himself on either side so he can kind of just get his head up and over and as he does and he puts extra weight in front of him the entire section that has been cut open collapses inward inside of this room and he goes spilling out across the floor completely losing any chance of observing this room or any kind of stealthy advance in order to see what's going on. As he comes spilling out into this room, we see just the backside of another, a humanoid shape who's crouched over something with these blue electric sparks or shining light coming out of some uh, tool they're holding in their hand. Now, without any sound, does this individual notice... Nakora's ungraceful entry into the room. Since we failed that roll, I think it's likely. Rolled the wrong dice again. We got a 73, which is a yes. So Nikora has been just barely noticed by this individual. I think that just from the direction at which they're they're welding, not actually with the back facing towards where Nikora came through the 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 piping or the ventilation shaft, but rather kind of at like a, a 90 degree to the side of where he comes through and comes spilling out across the room. And this individual reacts by being very stunned, like shock, as this uh, this lady looks up from where she's welding, looks over towards Nikora, is her eyes wide with fear and surprise and shock and a little bit of horror built into her face at seeing uh, this big man come spilling out through this ventilation shaft, unceremoniously depositing himself all over onto the floor. As Nakora, Nakora hurriedly gets himself up onto his knees and puts his hand on his on his uh, the butt of the gun that's sticking out, he looks up at her and let's see what exactly uh, she looks like initially. Sixty-three scarred and ninety-seven wounded. Okay, that's interesting. How exactly is she uh, scarred and wounded? I think that as Nakora kind of gets himself up onto his knee, he sees that. I think this is an old wound and uh, a big, and the scar. Maybe you can't even see it, but is she in a wheelchair? Does she have some sort of mobile assisting device? That would cover scarred and wounded, right? Is there like a disabled or anything else that would... There's a visibly disabled... But I still like the idea. I think that as Nikora comes up on his knee, you know, in a ready position to fire, you know, just completely and utterly exhausted, he sees this woman. Now, is she in a wheelchair or does she have some sort of cool sci-fi robotic assisting device of some kind? I'm honestly not sure. Let's uh, let's make it 50-50 and see what happens here. So is she in a wheelchair? 72. No. Is she... Oh, is she just missing an arm not necessarily her legs let's see is it her arm we're gonna keep it 50 50 and eventually we'll get something 96 so extreme no so she's not missing one of her limbs what is she missing what is going on with this lady we don't want to go like full mechanicus like (laughs) warhammer 40k shit but oh what about like um Oh, is she, like, burnt? It's like her face, like, totally burnt and wounded that way. Let's see. 35, yes. So she has visible burns, and I think all you can see through the uh, front of the faceplate of her of her suit that she's wearing, which is very different from both Nikora's and 
the, the group of merchants that he discovered down in the trading section. This one is much more industrial, much more designed for a maintenance crew. So let's flesh out a couple more details about this gal. So what was her role on the ship? 95 action and theme. Ooh, that's kind of fun. 50, so gather. And an 8, blood. Gather blood. I think this is more of a metaphorical blood than a literal blood. I think she's one of the colonists. Is that what we're going to call them? I'm not sure yet what exactly their title will be, but she's one of the folks from aboard uh, the station who goes out in the little spaceships, basically, these little pods, more or less, go down to the ice planet, harvest, and bring it back. Gather blood. Blood being a metaphor for water. You know, water is the lifeblood of the planet. Water is lifeblood of humanity. All of these things. So what the hell is she doing down in the maintenance section? That's a great question we have to answer. And more importantly, who the hell is she? Getting back into our current time uh, here with Nikora, the camera kind of pans from the Nikora with the gun on his hip, hand on the butt of it, ready to draw it and shoot. And it kind of swings around and takes a look at this woman a little closer up with her burnt face illuminated in the blue of the torch she has in her hand, uh, clearly some sort of welding or cutting torch of some kind with this bright blue flash on the end of it is illuminating the, uh, the ridges and the, the kind of disgusting, shiny, mucusy layer of new skin on her face. And it's horrifying, not like terrifying enough to, to scare Nikora, but She's rather intimidating, honestly. I don't think she's a very big woman, but man, with that burn scar on her face and the, the torch in her hand she's holding out like a weapon, the core is a little, a little intimidated, and uh, he just freezes, and the two of them lock eyes, and for the last scene of the episode, the camera pans down onto this, this, this big, clunky, industrial-level uh, survival suit she's wearing basically i'm thinking not like uh i mean it's like the size and bulk of like a space marine armor from starcraft but it's clearly like a just a standard mechanical environmental suit it probably is like painted bright orange or something and then uh you know it has a a, a, and then as it's it's clearly designed for somebody who's a little bit bigger than her she seems a little uncomfortable inside of it but the name tag says lawrence and the scene ends with Nakora raising both his hands up off of his gun in the universal sign of, you know, let's just calm down and talk about it. You know, they can't talk because there's no way for them to communicate between their two suits, but puts his hands up. And uh, as he does, I think she cocks a slight smile on her face, just the corner of her mouth raising slightly in relief, not in like a creepy way, but. Relief at finally seeing somebody else. Who knows how long this gal has been here for. But with that, the credits roll and everything fades to black. Well, I hope that you all enjoyed this episode of One Guy, One Roll as we continue to play Iron Sworn Starforge. I really enjoyed making this episode and I think it's going to be interesting having a new companion for Nikora to work with who isn't just some virtual intelligence built into his ship. I tried to keep a blend between my own thoughts and beliefs and what I can come up with and random rolls on the tables, which I think are fun. I mean, if you're going to play a GM-less game solo, I think it definitely helps to have random tables. Like, I love random tables, as long as they're used 
well and not just solely relied upon. You still have to have some logic behind the actions. The amount of support all you fine people have shown for this podcast has truly been humbling, and I did not expect this at all, especially because it's only the eighth published episode that I've done, including those two session zeros for Iron Sworn Starforged. Believe it or not, there's already been 500 downloads of the podcast, breaking down to roughly about 75 to 100 per episode, which is phenomenal. You guys are incredible. I hope that you continue to enjoy this content. And as we are starting to at least fall into a routine and mature a little bit as a podcast, I have decided that I'm not really interested in inserting ads into the actual podcast itself. I'm happy to do this as long as you guys keep downloading and listening. But of course, as with any hobby, there were some sunk costs involved with starting the podcast. And of course, there are also ongoing costs with hosting and the coffee I need to continuously consume while I'm creating content in order to keep up this pace at which I go and just my wife putting up with me droning on into a microphone for hours on and a couple days a week. So in lieu of inserting ads and using sponsored content or any of that crap, I've gone ahead and launched a Patreon campaign. If you guys are at all interested in checking that out, my intention is to add in some benefits for subscribing to the Patreon and helping support my work. All the funds that are collected from the Patreon will go toward helping out the podcast, whether it's providing me with coffee or buying, help me buy something nice for my wife. And there will also be some different rewards associated with that. All of this is still under consideration. I'm still working out exactly how the system is going to work, but head on over to patreon.com slash one guy, one role, and just take a look at it and see if uh, you're interested in helping to support the show grow and become something that I can invest more of my time into it. My intention is not to drone on about the Patreon every episode. I will certainly make a mention of it at the end of every episode from now on, but this is the one big appeal I have to you guys to go check it out. Once again, patreon.com slash one guy, one role. Thank you so much for listening, and this community support has blown me away. I've been Hero Cities, your host, player, and GM of One Guy, One Role. Signing off. Have a great day, and stay safe out there, y'all.